I'm Andrea Hope, and this is To Mother. Episode 46, The Baha'i Fund. Hey lovelies, this is Andrea Hope, a poet, a wife, a mother, a Baha'i, among many other things. And this is my podcast where I share my recommendations and insights about parenting with purpose in the modern world. So in To Mother, I share quotes from the Baha'i writings that inspire me, some practical tips and resources, and sometimes my poetry. Today's episode is about the Baha'i Fund. So we're going to be talking a little bit about what is the Baha'i Fund. I mean, I think a lot of listeners are either familiar with the Baha'i faith or you are yourself Baha'i. So really, I try to take these opportunities to deepen our understanding or remind us of the principles and laws and writings in the faith. So because I wanted to be really accurate with this, talking about the Baha'i Fund, I'm going to read a description of it from Baha'i.org, which is the official website from the Baha'i World Center that represents the Baha'i faith. And yeah, what I know about the Baha'i Fund personally is that believers in the Baha'i faith are voluntarily giving to the funds at a local, national, or international level in order to sustain the activities of the faith. And it is very specific in contrast to some other organizations or religions that only registered Baha'is who are in in good standing can give to the Baha'i fund. So there is a lot of wisdom in that that we can reflect on individually, you know, like what kind of expectations come when different people donate to something. You know, it's voluntarily, but we can see in governments and different corporations and even nonprofit organizations how what is done can be shaped by who is contributing or who feels like they have a say on what can be done. And the human experience also for us is that if someone gives us money or supports us in some way, then we're going to feel some loyalty to them. So it can be your protection both for the organization, like being the Baha'i faith and the Baha'i community and the people who are giving. Now that's personal speculation, reflection that I've come to where I thought, okay, what is the wisdom of Baha'is given to the Baha'i fund? But of course, the community can support Baha'i activities in other ways besides giving monetary donations. Now, the majority of Baha'i activities are open to and benefit being in the community, and so people contribute to those in other ways. So they might cook food or host something at their place, and so there's many ways that everyone in the world who's participating in Baha'i activities can contribute towards the progress of the faith. But yeah, the funds specifically that go to the institutions are by registered believers. And so that's also something that came up when I was volunteering at the Baha'i World Center that, you know, we didn't ask for donations at the shrines or in the holy gardens or anything like that, that people understood that was all supported by the contributions of Baha'is around the world. So before I get into the specific quote that I wanted to talk about for this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and read the article that's on Baha'i.org. In the world that Baha'u'llah has envisaged, the resources of the planet will be used to bring about spiritual and material prosperity for the entire human race. Shoghi Effendi has written that the progress and execution of spiritual activities is conditioned upon material means. Within the Baha'i community, funds are established at the local, national, continental, and international levels to which its members may alone contribute. This allows the Baha'i community both to sustain its activity and to channel financial resources in ways that promote the well-being of humanity. The administration of these funds is entrusted to the care of Baha'i institutions at each level, which are responsible for taking decisions about the allocation of resources on behalf of the community. 
The act of contributing does not, of course, grant an individual the prerogative to direct the specific way in which the funds are expended, although any Baha'i may earmark their donation for a named geographical region and for a particular area activity to be used at the discretion of the institutions. Individual Baha'is strive to give selflessly and joyfully to the various funds of the faith, each according to his or her circumstances and means. Contributions are private and voluntary, and solicitating money from individuals is not permitted. However, the state of the Baha'i funds may well be a subject of consultation among members of the Baha'i community at gatherings of various kinds. It is certainly the case that the sacrificial contribution of a wealthy individual will be far larger in size than that of a person without access to substantial material resources. Yet the Baha'i writings state that, in the eyes of God, any sum offered with sacrifice is acceptable. When donations are made selflessly, a fundamental truth underlying the principle of generosity, that the giver is also the receiver of bounty, shines forth. We must be like the fountain or spring that is continually emptying itself of all that it has and is continually being refilled from an invisible source. To be continually giving out for the good of our fellows, undeterred by fear of poverty and reliant on the unfailing bounty of the source of all wealth and all good, this is the secret of right living. Both of those quotes were from Shoghi Effendi within the article, but this gives a great overview of how Baha'is see the funds and how the funds are used. So that's important to note because when you're at feast, for example, then you will hear that the treasurer will probably give a presentation on the state of the funds. There are goals for the Baha'i funds in communities. So when I go to the Baha'i U.S. website, I'm able to see what is the national goal for the Baha'i fund. And then in my community, we might have a different goal or for a certain project, we might have a different goal. So I think that's a really great distinction that there is not soliciting, but there are goals and there is an opportunity in a community to talk about the funds. And then the other part being that we're obviously very spiritual <laughs> people as Baha'is and, you know, it's a religion that's founded on the spirit in which you do things and unity and love. But we live in a world in the earthly realm that is progressing through material means at this stage. So it is important that Baha'is have that practical balance of, yeah, we don't treat anyone differently because they're poor or rich or anything like that. But we still have this understanding that our work is worship, that we're you know, encouraged to have jobs and make a living and that also material means in this age are what help to build things and to give resources to people. I would love to see a world in the future where it isn't the case that it's money, but yeah, we will see how that unfolds over the future generations. The other thing that it mentions at the end is the sacrificial nature of a contribution. So there's also this understanding that people aren't contributing just because they feel like I have a certain income and therefore I can contribute because I reach this level of income. Whatever phase you're in, whatever financial situation that you have, that you think of it as a sacrificial contribution and that you're trusting in God and giving, knowing that you will receive in other ways. That has been the case in my life where I've had to really think about, okay, how much can I contribute while also taking care of the responsibilities that I have, my college loan, the day-to-day -day life expenses, but also, you know, having this idea that I don't have to wait until I paid everything off in order to contribute to the fund that those things are happening simultaneously. And I also think as a Baha'i, something that I've had to learn and appreciate in the last few years where I have had opportunities to do full-time service 
or to do service in a specific area, which is being able to have the humility and the trust in the institutions when I need to benefit from those funds. So people who serve at the Baha'i World Center, they're benefiting from the funds of the believers of the Baha'i faith. We you know, can focus on giving to the fund, but we might also be in situations where we're using the funds and to know that that's part of the process. Or maybe you're just individually in a situation where you really need help and support and you feel anxious about turning to your Baha'i community, your institutions, but to know that that's part of what those funds are for, to empower and to help the progress of the Baha'i community. So the last thing I wanted to talk about from this article is that it mentions that Baha'is can earmark their funds. You can't direct specifically how they're used, but you can earmark them for geographical or particular areas of activity. So my perspective of how I donate to the funds have really been shaped by my trust in Baha'i institutions. There's a quote from a letter of Shoghi Effendi that I would like to share. With regard to the Baha'i Fund recently established amongst the friends, I trust that the matter now stands clear to everyone throughout the country. As I have previously intimated, although individual friends and local assemblies are absolutely free to specify the object and purpose of their donations to the National Spiritual Assembly, yet, in my opinion, I regard it of the utmost vital importance that individuals, as well as local assemblies, throughout the land should, in view of the paramount importance of national teaching and as an evidence of their absolute confidence in their national representatives, endeavor, however small at first, to contribute freely towards the upkeep and the increase of the National Baha'i Fund, so that the members of the National Assembly may at their full discretion expend it for whatever they deem urgent and necessary. Shoghi Effendi in this letter is saying that although the believers do have the discretion to choose exactly where their funds go, that they can also see this as a bit of confidence in their national communities that they give to the national fund and let the National Assembly decide where this goes. And in the context of this letter, he's talking about the funds being recently established. So that is something to note that it has been many years from when this was written, but me personally, I still hold this as a guiding principle. So unless there's something very specific, maybe like the Shrine of Abdu'l-Bahá that a community wants to have an additional goal to contribute to, I tend to focus on giving to my national community because I know that I trust in my national assembly that when they meet the needs on a national level, they will, or while they're working to meet the needs on a national level, they'll also be conscious of contributing in an international level. I can see, for instance, a list of different funds that I can contribute to. And I know that the National Assembly is aware of all those funds and has goals for those funds as well. So in connection with this, my living the life tip for this week is create a giving tradition. So in your family, is there a way that you as a family, however old your children are, can develop a tradition of contributing to the fund? And to clarify, Baha'i children are able to give to the fund. So that could come in many different ways. I will say before I had children, I never did recurring contributions. So that means I never set up my contributions to happen consistently because I really wanted to have ownership of every month sitting down and saying, okay, this is how much I'm going to give and reminding myself of the spirit in which we give. 
But since having children, <laughs> everything does become a bit more hectic and it, it's easier for me to forget. So since I've had children, I have done recurring contributions so that I know, you know, just every month that that will happen. And I did receive communications from institutions that said that when people set recurring contributions, they were much more likely that they were much more likely to give consistently. So if they had fees, for instance, consistently they would give, or if they had recurring contributions, but then if someone missed fees for a month, then they would forget to you know, give their contribution. So the change that I'm trying to make in my tradition is to give recurring contributions so that I know that it gets sent out, but to set a reminder on those days for me so that I know that day to do something being mindful of contributing and uh, reflecting on the nature of contributing to the fund. Some other things that you could do as a family is to give in memory or in honor of someone every 19 days. So your institution might have a specific form for that that lets you also notify that person or their family that a contribution has been made in their memory or in their honor, but you could also just do it and not notify anyone at all. And I was thinking about this in terms of doing it for family members or friends or loved ones, but also if there are Baha'is that you feel connected to that you want to learn more about, that could also be a wonderful situation where you could give something in memory. So recently I learned about Creadel Janetta Haley. Her middle name is my mom's first name, which is really cool for me um, because it's not a common name, Janetta. But I learned about Creadel Janetta Haley and she was one of the early African-American women who became a Baha'i and she got her personal pilot's license. And this was, I think, right after World War One, when that wasn't a very common thing for women in general, let alone African-American women. And so I read up on her and how she pioneered to Southern America. She was on the first National Spiritual Assembly of Nicaragua. And I thought, oh, this is really interesting. And then I found out that she actually passed away years ago in Washington, D.C. But at the time of her passing, I could not find an obituary. And I contacted someone who knew her. And she, they said they had kind of lost touch with her um, towards the end of her life. So they didn't hear about her funeral or anything. So I don't know where her grave was. And I don't know at this time if she had a Baha'i funeral. So I felt really inspired to ask the Baha'i institutions to offer prayers for the progress of her soul. And I think that could be quite powerful as a family to look up the story of an early believer. Maybe it's the Hands of the Cause or Knights of Baha'u'llah, but maybe it's someone who isn't as well known, but their story can still inspire you and you can still be connected to them and give in their memory that they may progress in the next world. So the resource, I do have a porcelain fun jar that you can find on my Etsy page that you can customize. It's a big porcelain jar with a cork top and you can customize it. There's three different designs and you can put your family's name or you can put your community name if you want to use it as a community jar. Calculate it and write it down and put it in the bank and then give it electronically to the fund or if you're in an area where you're giving cash donations to the fund, however you want to give. So I have that fund jar that you can customize and I'll leave a link as I always do to all of these resources and quotes and everything in the show notes at tomother.buzzsprout.com or wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can look in the show notes. But also you can make your own fund jar. There's some really nice wooden boxes that you can get or you know you can decorate however you want to. So I think it's a great reminder 
reminder, even if you're going to be giving electronically to have a fun jar and maybe it also could just be an additional thing. So maybe you say I give recurring contributions, but then I also have this fun jar and that's the jar that we use to give in memory of someone or to give in honor of someone. So these are all different ideas that you can just think about and decide what works best for your family. And in lieu of a poem, I wanted to share a story this time about giving to the fun. At a time when the roads were unsafe and traveling was mostly done on foot, Haji Amin would go from town to town, village to village in Iran, collecting hakukula payments and fund donations that Baha'is wanted to send to the Holy Land. One time, as he was getting ready to leave for the Holy Land, a very poor woman gave him a small coin to deliver to the master. Haji Amin kindly accepted the coin and put it in his pocket. When he arrived and presented the contributions to Abdu'l-Bahá, the master looked at him kindly and said something was missing. Haji Amin left the master's presence saddened and unable to understand what could have happened. He went to his room in tears and started praying. While he was praying, he suddenly realized that there was a hard piece of metal under his knee. It was the small coin that the poor woman had given him as he was leaving for the Holy Land. When he had put it in his pocket, it had slipped through a hole and into the lining of his coat. Haji Amin suddenly realized that this contribution was very important to Abdu'l-Bahá and took it to him immediately. The master joyfully took the contribution from Haji Amin and kissed it. He then told Haji Amin that this was the most important contribution because it was given with the greatest sacrifice. To Mother is an individual initiative and provides only the personal reflections and insights of its creator, that's me. For more information about the Baha'i faith, including access to the official writings and contacts for Baha'is in your community, please visit Baha'i.org.